Three Pagans and a Cat is supported by Anchor and Fox Consulting. Anchor and Fox is a management team that supports spiritual specialists, co-creating sustainable models of community and reciprocity, helping us manage our time, money, spiritual, and emotional resources. Follow them on Twitter at Anchor Fox and on Facebook and Instagram at Anchor and Fox Consulting. For booking, you can contact Anchor and Fox at www.anchorandfoxconsulting.com. Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Prayer indeed is good, but while calling on the gods, a man should himself lend a hand. Welcome to Working with Gods, the 55th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 5th century BC Greek physician Hippocrates of Kos. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And wake me up when we get to Gwyn's Garden Gems. I'm just going to stick with that. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. I just got no energies. We just wrapped up a ritual at Arts and Craft a couple of hours ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a Lunasaw ritual there. Which was very, very fun. Yeah, it was a good time. They have a great ritual space there Mm -hmm. that we were able to make use of. And yesterday, Saturday, we were in Detroit for Detroit Pagan Pride, where Mm -hmm. we taught two classes and And also helped with with a ritual. So, by other members of, of Moonfire, of Moonfire yep, which is the coven that operates out of arts and craft. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a very busy weekend for us, and we're a little fried, but Just we're but we're gonna try and, it. And we're gonna more, do more it more ways than one. Because <laughs> did my well, I cut off my hair basically before we went, mm-hmm. and the top of my head knows that it was sunny out. <laughs> it was so hot. Oh it was my extremely God. hot it was like, on Saturday, at least in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. It, was, it was awful. But and there was an, get a nice breeze every now and then. Intermittently. If yeah. there had been a, if that breeze had been there all the time, it would have been a very different experience. But periodically yeah. it would just be dead and yeah. have very, very hot. Yeah. yeah. And no cloud cover. And then the clouds would roll in and bring the breeze with them and then they would go away again. So right. there were these like long stretches of just sun so hot. and then brief reprieves with the breeze. <laughs> Okay, huge shout out though to the people who ran. Yeah, the coordinators. Yeah, the coordinators of Detroit Pagan Pride. Because it was a nice event. It was a nice event. A lot of vendors. Tons. They sold food. 42 different vendors. Yeah. Yeah. They sold food and beverages for a very reasonable price. It was very, it was a nice space. We saw some vendors there that we haven't seen before, which is always nice. We go to several of these things now. So we, you know, we get used to seeing sort of the same familiar faces Mm -hmm. place to place. So it's always exciting for us to see vendors that we're unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. Right. And there were several. Several there this yeah. time, so it was great. And so I have to take care of first of the month. Uh huh. Yep. That's right. Business. Patrons, patrons, patrons. So it is time to read all of our patrons. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. We have 16 kittens. Which we is so many you. kittens. We love you, kittens. Our cats are Alisa Addy, Amber Diasthesi, Amy Scholes, Beehive Coven, Cindy Barrick, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Megan Suckalow, Michelle Kokolek Burkett, Rebecca Hillman, Tanya Allen, and Zacchaeus. Our hunters are Brandon Summit, Briar Aldridge, Charles Howison, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, James Smith, Yanni, Jessica Jones, Joe, Kay Kremer, Kimberly Lockaby. Laudine, Laura Loki, Lee Lynn, Leanne Stevis, Meredith Kenton, Mistina, Nadia Ratchford, Nicodemus Tibbetts, Ray Lathrop, Robin Archer, Rana, Sarah Bunder, Stevie Thompson, and Squeaky. Our billion trillions of hunters. It's amazing. <laughs> our leopards are Akaneko and Jessica Helmer. Thanks to our leopards. We love our leopards. Our tigers are Amanda Hicks, Crystal of Apothecary Tees. 
Alora Driver, Lorelai, and Misha Lutt. Our Panthers are Quinn Ann, or QQ Ann, as we like to call her. QQ Ann. Our Jaguars are Justin Stanage, Kirsten Ray, and Bill L. And our Lion is the Twisted Willow Soap Company. Yay! We have a lion! That's so amazing! They make really good soap, y'all. They make amazing soap. We've actually reviewed their products before. Yep. They're also just really great people who've supported us. And and supported the community. Support the community. They they are actively involved in things like Detroit Pagan Pride and Michigan Pagan Pagan Fest. Convocation, they help out there. Convocation, they help there. They're really great people. Yeah, Yeah, they got their fingers in a lot of pies. Yes, they do. And they're actually going to become kind of our presenting sponsor. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you not this episode, but moving forward, yep. you'll yep. be hearing a lot more about lot, Twisted, no, Willow. Twisted Willow. Uh, so that's crazy. right. But we did want to say we love and appreciate all of our mm-hmm. patrons yes. and our listeners because we wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Yep. yep. We can talk about Pagan Fires. Yeah, so Pagan Fires, which is September 26th through the 29th Mm -hmm. in Hamilton, Ohio, Mm -hmm. which is about 30 minutes east of Cincinnati. Okay. We will be there, and that actually is shaping up to be a really nice event. Looks like it's going to be a really nice event. Yeah. It's actually like like we're only teaching one class. Mm -hmm. So many classes we want to go to. (laughs) During our class, I'm like, dang it. I saw the schedule, I was like, no, I want to attend. (laughs) But there are other things the other days that we can go to that look really cool. So we're excited about that. And then before Pagan Fires, we're going to be at the Ann Arbor Pagan Pagan Pride. Pride. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which will be our last Pagan Pride Day. Yeah, that's the plan. Is uh, Just because Pagan Pride Days, you go out for one day. It's, in some cases, a very long drive. And it's exhausting. Yeah, as and, and we end up doing dumb shit like this, where we overbook ourselves. <laughs> right. So we're trying to, to just focus on doing the events where, like, go, and we focus on doing that event for a yeah. couple of days, and then mm-hmm. we come back. So Ann Arbor is going to be our last Pagan Pride Day that we're planning. To be participants Yeah, to, to right. right. We may still attend. We but may right. still attend. This is the last time we're planning to bring classes exactly, to, exactly. to a Pagan Pride Day. And before Ann Arbor Pagan Pride Day's actual event, which is when? September 17th, I think. Okay. For that, August 10th, next Saturday, yeah. we are going to be at... Go Ice Cream in Ypsilanti. Where we're going, Gwen and I, and maybe Carr are going to be providing, readers. yeah, yep. and 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 other readers. We're all going to be providing readings. You okay. can come to Go Ice yeah. Cream. You can get a reading, but all of the proceeds of those readings are going to fund the Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor Pagan, Pagan Pride. Pride. That's right, that's right. And I understand that Go Ice Cream is amazing. Right. So We've we're heard. we're going to hopefully get some so, ice cream while we're there. Not only do you get some great divination, you're going to get some great ice cream. Mm-hmm. So long as we're talking <laughs> about that kind of stuff too. That morning, mm-hmm, yes. we will be doing our Pagans in Need at Arts and Craft. That's yep. right. So, so if you're local to this Southwest Michigan or Michiana area, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, and you need food, and you need food, come out to Arts and Craft from nine until noon. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. on Saturday, and we have food for you. Just so you know, you do not have to be a Pagan to come to yep. Pagans right. in Need Pantry. Yeah. Probably everyone listening is, but if yep. you know someone, exactly. yeah, if you know someone who's in this area who needs food and doesn't have the resources to get it, send them to us. Okay. I think that's it for housekeeping. I think that's it. Woohoo!
let's move on to the episode. So this is sort of the second piece of a semi-series of episodes that we're doing where we're talking about beliefs and practices, Mm -hmm. working with sort of different classes of being. Mm -hmm. We're starting with the deities, and later we're going to move on to the spirits and the ancestors. Mm -hmm. The powers, as as it were. So this is the follow-on from our episode, uh, Theism and Non-Theism, Beliefs in the Divine. Mm-hmm. where we talked about theism generally and beliefs that you might find in pagan communities about different levels of divinity and mm-hmm. different ways to interact with and access divinity. Mm-hmm. Today, with working with gods, we're going to be talking about the sort of practical nitty-gritty aspects of working with deity or worshipping. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. And I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. Yes. That's cool. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first subjects we, I thought we maybe would want to cover would be mm-hmm. working with versus worshipping. That's right. Because this that is, can be a sticky wicket. It can be a sticky wicket. It's something that Gwyn and I have talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because, extensively, Extensively. Actually. Because we have sort of different points of view on mm-hmm. this subject. So. And it's something that I really struggled with coming out of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And for several years, I was what I called a secular witch. I didn't mm-hmm. have a devotional practice. I didn't really work with the gods in a in any kind of a worshipful or devotional way. Mm-hmm. It was more of a of a partnership, I guess you could say, or right. I don't even you know. Almost, it was a work relationship. Right. <laughs> you described it to me once as Brigid was your supervisor at work. Yes. That I really, really struggled with that aspect, and I know I've I've uh, had some chats with some people in the Facebook group as well, mm-hmm. where they struggle with that as well, and it really does come from coming out of a of a religious system where you feel betrayed, perhaps, right, by the deity with whom you were associated with at the time, and so it's taken me a long time to get past that kind of the sort of knee jerk negative knee jerk negative response, kind of you know just that Ooh. gross. I don't <laughs> gross. worship. Anybody. I don't worship anybody. You can't make me. That's right. You know, breaking out in hives Uh of every thought to a place where now I'm actually uh, in a devotional practice. Mm -hmm. What was the transition for you? Because I didn't really... We've talked about this several times. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've sort of worked through what your roadblocks were, but I actually don't know what was the final, Mm -hmm. like, catalyst for you to say, I'm not working with Hecate, I'm Mm -hmm. worshipping Hecate. Um, It actually was the understanding that I was not in a subservient relationship with Hakati. Mm-hmm. I am still sovereign. I'm still a sovereign being. Even though I'm giving devotion to Hakati through ritual or through hails or through prayers or hymns, mm-hmm. and I do chanting and meditation daily to form this relationship with her, I still retain sovereignty in myself. And maybe it's just in my own head. Maybe it's just an understanding that has allowed me to move past this idea that I have to be in submission mm-hmm. to a deity as opposed to I am a sovereign being who honors this yeah, deity. Yeah, see, this is this is a struggle I didn't have because mm-hmm. I didn't sort of absorb a lot of that from Christianity. Right. So, like, when you say, like, now I recognize that I'm a sovereign being, and when I hear that from other people, too, you, you hear people talk a lot in paganism about personal sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I'm always, like, faintly baffled because I never had a submissive relationship to the Christian God. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right. that wasn't emphasized during, mm-hmm. to me, during the, or at least I didn't absorb it during the brief mm-hmm. time that I was a Christian as a child. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any, like, baggage for that. And so it's very hard for me to, like, 
even associate the concept of worship the way I worship, which is, you know, it's there's a lot of honor and respect and awe there, but it's not submission. It's the way that animals look at men and mm-hmm. see us as strange right. and uh, unpredictable creatures with strange powers. You know, I look at right. the gods and I see them as strange and unpredictable creatures with strange powers. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how Carr feels about it, but I know I feel like I was, as an adult in an evangelical Christian framework, mm-hmm. the idea was that you are submitted to God, you are being transformed into something other than who you were to reflect Jesus or God or whatever. So whoever you were is meant to fade away right. to become a reflection of the deity that you Mm. serve and so it was very very much a submission the same thing we were taught over and over women like I see Rana is making a a comment about that a relationship with her husband but she's not in submission to her husband devoted to her husband but not worship there we go whereas in tradition of Christianity that I was raised in really and and became an adult into that actually was the expectation submissiveness was the expectation the husband was higher there was no egalitarian relationship Right, that. there's like a hierarchy there. There's a hierarchy. There's God, God, then there's the husband, then and there's the wife, then exactly. there's the children. Exactly. And so that is what I had struggles with releasing and letting go of. Mm. As far as worshiping, if you will, or being devoted to right. a deity, honoring a deity without this patriarchal, patriarchal yeah. submissive attitude. Right. It just took me time to release that baggage. Right, to, to sort of work through that. Yeah, to deprogram, if you will. Yeah. How has that been for you, Carr? Because I don't know that you, I you ever came, like, I mean, you came from the same yeah. system. Yeah, but I don't know that I ever like felt like the head of the household. I kind of like I delegated a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to Gwen. I didn't like. I felt like my job was to work to bring in the money, and the rest of it was Gwen. <laughs> like, you know, it was like in the meantime, I was struggling to be the to proper be more submissive, submissive yeah. wife, right? Even was, though I didn't care about that, right? right. Right. So, but but that was the expectation that was of your the church. Expectation. So. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So the, I struggled really to try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because I was raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think I've always looked towards the women in my life to mm-hmm. be... In, in charge in, in charge. some way. Take care of things. Well, Just tell me what to do. <laughs> and I think ultimately that was my struggle in Christianity. I was not a submissive being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I really struggled with that. Right. I questioned constantly. So I struggled with that. But then when I broke free of that, if you will, it still became a struggle to express sovereignty in my devotion life or in my in my work and in my walk as a pagan mm-hmm. how has this translated though into yeah your, what's your experience what, your been with sort of gods? taking I you know I'm doing very little like directly with the gods would you would you say that you worship the gods worship in the traditional sense so here's this is what and I want to talk about we, yeah this is what I want to talk about right so worship in the traditional sense of Christianity no and, okay now define for us what that what, what you that consider mean? that traditional uh, that would sense. be prayers study been like a Monday uh, you know an every morning Bible study it would have been journaling mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff right. I was doing a twenty four seven prayer room I would right you do a bunch of prep right prep you do goal specific prep you don't feel like you've ever really been in a worship or relationship. devoted relationship to a deity, Christian yeah. or pagan. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So but would yeah, you, you feel a connection to the Dagda. Yeah. So so here's my question. Yeah. Would you describe yourself as a lay person then? You know, it's kind of funny because... <laughs> we, yeah, especially since we just did a ritual. Right. See, stupid. Like, I was a youth pastor. Okay, but setting aside, like... Titles. 
setting aside titles and setting aside like the practical leadership roles of like leading a, a community, right? right? Would you consider yourself a lay person or someone for whom like faith is a driving force in your life? Uh, see, lay person has a different term for me because coming out of Christianity, you had the priesthood and the lay people. Okay, see, like I would <laughs> say that a lay person is someone who, like, if they believe, in, you know, they might believe in the gods, they might have faith in the gods, but it's not like an important part. Like they're ultimately a baker, right? Right. A lay person is a baker who believes in a god, right? Right. Like they're not they're not spiritually devoted or spiritually dedicated. They're a baker who happens to right. believe in pan or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would say at this point I'm not spiritually devoted or connected. That's not to say I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, because I have all these preconceived notions from of what Christianity, it looks like. from what, for what it looks like, I don't know how to get that in with the Dagda and Danu. Mm-hmm. So then in relation to the, the ritual that we did, how mm-hmm. did that feel like a working kind of relationship? I got for a club twice. So you yeah, did, so yes. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So you got emotional. Was a, there was a connection there. You're just not sure It was sure meaningful how, to you in some way. Right, it was right. meaningful to you. Right. You're just not sure how to, in your personal practice, divorce and deprogram from the Christian right. to bring what you experienced at the ritual that we did together. Right. Into a personal practice. And I would say I got some of that kind of stuff, even in Christian. You did, mm-hmm. yes. You know, I would go to a 24-7, 24/7 prayer. prayer thing and come back completely fired up. It's that, it's that... In Christianity, they talk about this all the time. It's mm-hmm. it's the mountaintop and the valleys. Right, right. So events, or even yesterday's ritual, which freaking how I ended up at a John Barley form <laughs> ritual. Was- Awesome, you guys. We got to do a. We got to participate in the ritual, and it was. We got to do. They told us that they they needed a little ritual play done, so we were, we did the parts in the little ritual. It play. was John Barleycorn. Yes, they told us it was awesome. a, it was about John Barleycorn and Car about lost his shit. It was great. It was great. We had so. Much At fun. least I got to be the one who was like John Barleycorn is dead. That's ah, right. shit, he's not. <laughs> great. It was a great ritual. How the we hell I end fun. up in a John Barleycorn writ is just beyond me. Anyway, carry on. Um, but like I got a lot out of that ritual Mm -hmm. too so you know i think that there are definitely these peaks and valleys i want to know how to kind of stay on the peak or maybe not go all the way into the valley like let's hang out at 10,000 right right so here's my question for you it sounds like for you the the sort of high intensity experiences are what's meaningful right yeah, which is funny because I'm normally not an experiential person. Right, mm-hmm. but it, for mm-hmm. you, spiritually, it's the experiences that mean something. Yes. And you struggle more with the research and the daily devotion and that kind of a right. thing. Right, the daily practice. Right, if it's not leading to something. Right. right. Like, I have no problem researching to put together a writ or researching to do the podcast. How, would you, or... how do you think you would feel about doing a daily devotional activity that was meant to lead into an event? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, for Yule, say. Yule, we celebrate for multiple days. Right. How would you feel if every day you did a devotional thing leading up to the culmination of Yule at the end. With verklempt with my, with, a, with an, ex, with an, ex, with an, an explosion, explosion of verklempt. With an experiential ritual. Yep. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know right. until I try it. Right, exactly. Right. It's yeah. something so, to experiment with. Right. We got yeah. an experiment we can uh-huh. we can work on. Maven is coming up. <laughs> yeah, Bill Bill is making good po- a good point. A daily practice is tough for a yes. lot of people. That's true. It it's tough for me. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time establishing habits. Part of that is because I'm bipolar, and so it's hard to know where I'm going to be from. Day you know, day. well, from month hour to month. Hour. From month to month, certainly. <laughs> it's it's very hard to know where I'm going to be, how much energy I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. So establishing right. daily practices. 
is hard for me. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, like, slip, that's it. I have to start over from scratch. There's no picking it back up the next day. Right. So I understand the, the difficulties in establishing a daily practice. Mm-hmm. I would also like to point out that if you don't get anything out of a daily practice, yeah. it's okay for that not to be part of your life. That doesn't make your experience any less valid. And I think that trips people up. Mm-hmm. I think they think you have to have a daily devotion in order to be a good pagan or a good witch mm-hmm. or a good whatever. And, and I think that's, I think you find that in multiple religions, pagan yeah. or otherwise. We put all this pressure on ourselves to... To do it right. To do it right. And really it needs to be what's right for you. Pocket witch also has a really good... I tend to approach deities the way I'd approach a very, very well-respected professor who is also a rock star. So I guess I sort of treat deities like they're Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, that's awesome! I am fucking full in on that because Excellent. I love Buckaroo Excellent. Excellent reference. And that's, yeah, that's a that's a valid approach to take. Uh, what I usually say uh, at, the, at the end of every hail is that I honor, love, and remember. And that's sort of a condensed or, or I guess an exploded view of what I mean when I say worship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what I mean when I say I worship my gods is that I honor them, I love them, mm-hmm. and I remember them in that, it, like, I try to bring them into my thoughts. I try to right. keep them at the front of my mind when I'm doing things. I try to value their values. So do you have anything on your altar that is specific to your gods? No, currently I don't. I have my ancestor shrine and I right. have things there that represent the, the ancestors. But all I have for my regular altar space is my work altar where I do spells and write rituals and that sort of thing. I will say for me, it has become very meaningful. I have a separate altar to Hakati mm-hmm. uh, apart from the family altar and my altar in the kitchen to Frigga. And it's the one that has the most of my devotional items on it. I do do a, a daily chant practice. I don't do like prayers or, or devotions to Hakati necessarily every day, mm-hmm. but I do this this daily chant. Which is a which sort of meditation. It's a sort of meditation yeah. that helps me kind of tune in to her. Yeah. But with Frigga, every day I go into my kitchen. I have this altar on my window, my kitchen window. That is dedicated to Frigga. And I have quite a few objects on there as well. And every day I go in there and I I hail Frigga and Mm -hmm. light a candle. And I have found that has become an incredibly meaningful Mm -hmm. part of my morning. And then if I don't do it, I feel like I've missed... You've missed a step. I've missed a step. I I haven't said hello to Frigga. And Mm -hmm. I need to hail and recognize and honor Frigga. Become a very interesting kind of devotional practice Mm -hmm. that I miss when I don't do it. That's nice. Bill was asking who I work with. I worship the entire Norse pantheon. I do probably most of my work with Loki and because of Loki, Odin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also do a lot of work with uh, Freya and Freyr because they're very, very accessible and very, very kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Freyr right. <laughs> right, right. more than Freya. Uh, they have slightly different approaches to self-care, but they're both a good recovery gods. Right. <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to talk about that you were sort of, sort of leading into mm-hmm. there, talking about doing your daily devotion with uh, Frigga, mm-hmm. is that... 
there are sort of, there are multiple approaches you can take, obviously, with working with deity. One is to have an ongoing relationship with mm-hmm. certain deities, like I have an ongoing relationship with Loki, Odin, Freya, and Freyr. And one is what I call crisis care, mm-hmm. where you need someone specific to do something specific Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily have an ongoing relationship with that person and there are sort of different ways to handle those two situations Mm -hmm. and when you have an ongoing relationship with a deity it's much easier i think to ask them to help you with something because you already have a a reciprocity with them you already have a gebo you have a gift exchange going on with them you give them offerings, they give you advice, they give you help with things, you know, they give you God stuff, mm-hmm. you give them worshiper stuff. Right. When you have that regular routine, when you have that relationship, because as a hard polytheist, I think of the gods as individuals who also have sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have that relationship built up, you don't have to do as much necessarily to get them to agree to help you with something. Right. When you need something very specific that one of the gods you work with regularly doesn't do mm-hmm. and you need to call on someone else for that mm-hmm. like when Gwyn was sick and I wanted to work a spell of healing for her I called on the healers in the Norse Pantheon I called on Air and a bunch of others and I don't work with them regularly I, I, I worship and honor them the way that I worship and honor the entire Pantheon but I didn't have a close relationship with them mm-hmm. so I asked Freya to intercede with me on their behalf to to introduce me, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. to them. And then I gave them extra things mm-hmm. as part of my reciprocity to them. If I had just been asking Freya to help, you know, I, I would still have given her offerings, right. but I wouldn't have had to go as far out of my way as you did to get her attention and to get her to agree to help right. as I did with these goddesses I was I was not as familiar with because I didn't have a sort of a built-up relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So it's calling in a specialist versus calling in a friend, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. For instance, you know, now that I work, do this daily chant with, with Hikati, I, I tend to get a pretty frequent response mm-hmm. from Hikati for things. But there was a, the other day, there was like a crisis situation or a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And you recommended I go to Frigga. Yep. And I did that and it was really, really meaningful. And I think it's because even though I don't work with Frigga a lot, mm-hmm. she is my hearth goddess and she was there. Yeah. Your relationship isn't as deep as yep. it is with Hikati, mm-hmm. but it's a regular relationship that you put effort into. Exactly. That you pursue that you keep up. Mm-hmm. So when you need her, she's more likely to pick up the phone. And interestingly... She's more likely to take your call. And interestingly, Brigitte is still my patroness, but we mm-hmm. still have kind of this boss supervisor uh-huh. kind of thing going on. It's very interesting. I don't know that I'll ever get to that relationship. So I was supposed to have that kind of relationship with Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And in... That Jesus is my friend kind of a... Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in, what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. Of being involved in Christianity, I never once like saw a prayer be answered of mine. Never once had any kind of like return communication from the mm-hmm. quote unquote Holy Spirit. Like you didn't uh, feel spiritually connected. Not at all. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. not at all. And so I don't know the gods of the Celtic pantheon are really going to have to... Knock you over the head? Right, knock me over the head for me to get it. And that mm-hmm. may be what I need. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think I just spent so long in a religion where I did not make any connection at all. Right, that you sort of just don't expect a connection. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're you're maybe not even necessarily receptive to a connection because there there's a certain amount of receptiveness that's necessary to, like, they can call, but you still have to pick up the phone. Well, and I think in those mountains... Top, mm-hmm. you know, I think I get some of that receptiveness there. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> gods, if you're listening, I guess that would be the time. Hit me during a ritual. Yeah, Hit me but, during a ritual. Um, but it's really, you know, that that whole part of it is hard for me. Like I've had some incredible experiences. Everything coalesces, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. It all kinds of comes into focus, and I can understand and see that. And then a week later, all of that's gone. Mm-hmm. So so I have a question for you about that. What is it that you think you're losing? Well, I think just life in general, like, kind of runs over that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't, I don't then have... That connectivity. That connectivity anymore because real life comes back into the... Right. The I, w- I would say that's normal, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, sure. I, I think, like, I'm not in a connective, receptive state all the time. Sure. You know, I, that's why I do meditation and but, stuff but, like but that. But what I'm saying is because other than those mountaintop experiences in the past, that's all I've ever had. Right. I've not had any of the other, so I need some way to make that connection in the... To, to recognize the times. smaller moments. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Our Tiger Lorelei from the Georgia Bay shop Other World Creations. This shop features jewelry, altarpieces, devotional art, decorative items fashioned out of bones, teeth, claws, and fur of departed creatures. Lorelei believes that these remains have their own energy and spirit the same way that plants and stones do, and that these can be tapped into and worked with. Most of the remains used in Other World Creations are found already dead, and some are traded for from hunters would otherwise discard these remnants. You can follow Otherworld Creations at Instagram at Otherworld underscore Creations Co. Or find them on Facebook. Or contact Otherworld Creations Co. at gmail.com for inquiries or commissions. Gwen's got in gems. And I managed to stay awake through until we got there even. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, you're also going to have to keep staying awake after this. <laughs> All right, today what I'm going to be talking about is borage. Official name is Borago officinalis. It's also known as bee bread, bugloss, burrage, and starflower. It is an interesting plant. It blooms in six weeks. You would plant it if wow, you... Wow, that's yeah, a fast turnaround. It is a fast turnaround. So you can plant the seeds in the spring for summer flowers, or you can plant the seeds in the fall for spring flowers. Mm -hmm. They are a plant that enjoys the sun. You know, they'll be okay in a shady spot, but they prefer the sun. They like to have well-drained soil, but you can put them in pretty much any soil. Mm -hmm. They're they're kind of versatile. It doesn't hurt to put fertilizer or some kind of organic plant food with with the dirt for these flowers. They are flowers that go from white to kind of pink to blue. And they have heads that actually, it looks like a star, like a five-pointed mm-hmm. star, and the, but they droop. So <laughs> the heads of the flowers mm-hmm. droop, the stems, the leaves, right. everything droops. So it looks almost like a little bit of dome of a plant. But it can grow to be up to three feet tall. Flowers, the stems, and the leaves are edible. So you can use them in salads. You can use them in soups. Do they taste nice? They do. My understanding is they kind of taste like cucumber. 
Oh, I like cucumber. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a fresh taste. Now, you want to pick them early. So when okay. you start seeing the flowers bloom, when you that's, want to... That's time that's to put them in your salad. Time to start, because the older they get... Right. They get a little bit bitter, or right. they also have like a little fuzzy hairs on the oh. stems. Get they, them early. They get a, yeah, you want to get them early. The leaves are gray green with kind of a pointed oval leaf. Some people say you want to pick them while the flower heads are still closed. Mm-hmm. Others say you want to wait until they're open. So I guess it just kind of experiment to see which right. which which works best which for you. works best for you. Do want to keep them about two feet apart. Mm-hmm. They do not transplant well. So these are plants. Another one you, of those. Yeah, another one. You plant them directly in the soil. And then never touch them. And just water them well. Make sure they get plenty of sun. Give them a little plant food or fertilizer if necessary, depending on the pH levels. But otherwise, they should grow within about six weeks. You can also plant borage near vegetables fruits and like strawberries and things like that because they attract bees so they're good for pollinators so it helps other fruiting plants to have a better harvest a better yield again you can make them into a tea you can use them to flavor wines and ciders you can also add the the flowers sprigs of the flowers into any kind of fruity drink and you can candy the flowers to decorate cakes and cookies they do have a medicinal purpose you want to make sure that you're you know not sensitive to the flowers so be kind of cautious if you Eat one and see how you feel. Yeah, see how you feel. They can have a mildly laxative effect. Uh (laughs) So you got to be a little careful with that. But it is said that borage can help relieve stress. It is a strengthening tonic. It helps to relieve fevers because it promotes sweating. And it can be used to treat dry coughs or throat irritations. Like you can you can gargle with borage, a, a borage tea. Mm-hmm. Once it's cooled, you can gargle that right. to, to soothe a sore throat. You can even do it with a warm. Yeah. You, you yeah, gargle warm, with warm water exactly. traditionally. So. And then you could also create it into a poultice for bee stings and other types of insect bites. Hmm. It'll help with pain or itch. Magically speaking, borage assists in clairvoyance and psychic work. It's very lifting of the spirit and courage-inducing. In fact, it's said that the Celts used to drink a borage-infused wine before battle. Romans used to eat the flowers before battles. And medieval knights would have scarves that were embroidered with the image of the mm. borage flower. Again, to strengthen and, yeah. you know, for courage. That's it for Gwen's Garden Gems. What a neat plant. It is a neat plant. And I'm, I'm going to actually try growing it. See if you can it. get some? Yeah, I'm going to get some seeds and I'm going to plant them to see how it comes up in the spring. Very cool. Yeah. So one of the questions that I get asked a lot or that I see being asked a lot is how you find a patron. And I can't answer that question because I don't have one. But Gwen can answer that question. <laughs> uh, because... Brigitte is my patron, has been from the very beginning. And she reached out to me, actually. I was, it was over 20 years ago when I was first learning about Wicca. And I was studying the various gods and goddesses. um, And I just felt drawn to her, Mm -hmm. as well as to Artemis. And when I began practicing meditation, I practiced every day, morning and evening, And the very first really deep and vivid vision I had, experience I had while meditating was with Brigitte. And she introduced herself to me and she said that she was going to assist me on my journey Mm. and 
she has always been with me. Artemis actually came to me. I did not go seeking Artemis. Mm-hmm. It was another one of those visionary experiences where she was just there and she was like, okay, you belong to me now. <laughs> We're going to be doing some work. We're going to be doing some work together. That's how I was established with Hecate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, I worked, I actually approached her for a spell years ago. And then since that time, I was in a ritual and again, it was a, a kind of a meditative trance-like state where I envisioned her and really felt drawn to her. And when I started kind of playing with the idea, kind of even just entertaining the idea of a devotional practice, Hecate was the first one that came to mind. Hmm. And I believe it's because she was drawing me to her. Right. I think your experience of having patrons come to you is sort of uh, unusual. I think so, too. Not everyone's going to get tapped by a god to come do a thing for them, Mm -hmm. for the most part. There are a lot of humans, and not near as many gods. They they have a lot of us to choose from, and most of us aren't special. And I will say, I approached Frigga. I was the one who went to Frigga and asked if I could work with her. Right. And we have... You know, that we have developed that that relationship. So, like, I haven't been tapped for anything. I work with Loki and Odin mostly because... (laughs) I work with Odin because Loki's here. And I work with Loki because I need Loki in my life to make me be less of a complete dipshit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Loki challenges me. And he's willing to do that for me. And I'm very grateful for that. Even if it's sometimes deeply frustrating. But I didn't, like, I wasn't singled out or called or, you know, I I didn't have, you know, an intense visionary experience. I've had some experiences with Loki especially, but it wasn't like out of the blue and and it wasn't like a revelatory experience for me. It was like me meditating and Loki showing up and saying, yeah, I'm here. Did you need something? How did it work with you for the for the Dagda and Danu, because you've added, you've said that yeah, you felt yeah. sort of expanded. To Danu. You know, I do, I wouldn't necessarily call them my patrons, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what mm-hmm. we've been talking about. But the Dagda, I feel close to because, for lack of a better term, we're kind of the same person. It's the um, it, he's his spheres of influence are the things you're concerned with. Right. Yeah, and like he's kind of a goofball, mm-hmm. larger guy, daddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's those it's those kind of things where it's like you feel an affinity, right? Toward an yeah. affinity towards him. Yep. And then Danu would have been like the mother of all the Celtic gods. Mm-hmm. So I've somewhat compared that to my mother. <laughs> so so I think that's why I have that connection. But it would be interesting for me to like look into like a grandfather figure because mm. of my connection to my grandfather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was the reason why I got verklempt yesterday yeah. at the ritual mm-hmm. was because of him. So uh Yeah, your your grandfather's always been a very a big part of your life mm-hmm. despite not being in your life for very long. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ten to, years. And to clarify, years. part of the the ritual yesterday was to meditate pick up, on, to on pick your up dead. a rock and meditate on someone yep. who is gone. Yep. And I bet you both knew who I oh, was. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> knew, yes. So. There was no question in my mind who you were meditating exactly. on. <laughs> exactly. So uh, anytime they somebody asks me to think of somebody who's passed on, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's, that's who it is. <laughs> so. That's where you are. Sort of related to the thing with patrons and getting that tag 
getting mm-hmm. someone saying, hey, I want to work with you. If you do get that, there are a few things you need to keep in mind mm-hmm. through that process. The first is discernment, yep. which I'm always talking about. So discernment is learning to identify the difference between a true thing and a thing that you want, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to describe that. It's recognizing the limitations of your experience. Mm -hmm. Trying to get as much external validation for those experiences as is practical. Now, discernment is not the same thing as doubt. Doubt is an insidious poison that creeps into your heart and corrupts your soul. That's right. Doubt is when you start to disbelieve in the authentic experiences that you've had. Mm -hmm. Discernment is judging whether those experiences were authentic mm-hmm. uh, in the first place, right. right? So discernment is step one after an experience. Have the experience first, then do some discernment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then don't allow it to fester into doubt. Right. Okay. There are a lot of steps for discernment, and they vary depending on what specific thing you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with gods, there are a couple things you need to keep in mind. First of all, the God you think you're dealing with may not be the God you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Just because someone says, hey, this is my name, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that's what their name is. So compare the presentation of this person to the experiences of others and to their historical references, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If they vary wildly, you may be dealing with another entity. And I can say with confidence Mm -hmm. that when I had those experiences with both Artemis and Brigid, after I had those experiences, I went, I checked their mythology. And they were consistent. I checked with other people who worked with those goddesses, and they were consistent. Right. Right. So what you're looking for when you have experiences with the gods, especially, is consistency. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that everyone's experiences with the gods will be the same. Gwyn and I have very different experiences of Frigga. Mm -hmm. Gwyn uh, accesses a more hearth goddess aspect of Frigga. I access a more queenly, Mm -hmm. strategic face of Frigga. Mm -hmm. The gods are very big, and in the same way that you and I put on personas and interact with different groups in different ways, Mm -hmm. the gods may interact with different individuals in different ways. Frigga interacts with me as a mother, because I'm a mother. Right. I am not one, so she interacts with me in a very different way. Mm -hmm. I see a different face of Frigga. But it is still consistently Frigga. It's still recognizably Frigga. She tracks to the known mythology Mm -hmm. and to other people's experiences of her. And we've kind of bantered off of each right. other to try to, you know, to, to guarantee, I guess, or mm-hmm. to, to, to check in, to check in, to discern that we are both in fact working with Frigga. Mm-hmm. Where possible, find other practitioners who you trust, mm-hmm. whose judgment you trust, who work with the same gods that you're mm-hmm. interacting with right? and check with each other and, and check for consistency. Exactly. If a god is telling you to do something that's very out of character for that god, it's probably not actually that god you're talking to. Exactly. The other thing that you want to bear in mind when you're dealing with gods or with what you think are gods, the, the other necessary component for discernment 
is that you may not be talking to someone else at all. Mm -hmm. You may be talking to a sock puppet. And I've talked about this before, I'm sure, on the podcast. But a sock puppet is you talking to yourself, convincing yourself that you're talking to someone else. Mm -hmm. If Odin comes to you and tells you what a great job you're doing and he's so proud of you and, you know, you don't need to change anything about your life and you're doing absolutely great, that's unlikely to be Odin. It's not really his style. Mm-hmm. Odin generally comes to you with challenges and is a real piece of work sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if he comes to you and is full of compliments about where you're at, even though you haven't done any work on yourself recently, that's probably not Odin. That's probably you, because you want Odin to tell you those things. Mm -hmm. You want someone to validate you, and you're validating yourself and slapping an Odin mask on it Mm -hmm. so that it feels like it's coming from someone else. Mm -hmm. Your brain can do this because brains are very complicated and Mm multi-layered. And we have vivid imaginations. And so it's, it's entirely possible for you to sort of construct these fake people in your head and put them in the place of gods and just talk to yourself. And that's not productive. And so... In the same way that you have to use discernment when you might be dealing with a specific god or you might be dealing with someone masquerading as them, Mm -hmm. you have to use that same discernment to identify when you're really just talking to yourself. And the easiest by far way to do that is to recognize when it's either this god is just telling you what you want to hear Mm -hmm. or this god is just repeating, if you have a negative thought cycle, this god is just repeating all the negative shit that you said to yourself, okay? That's equally likely to be a sock puppet. If you have intrusive thoughts, suicidal urges, the urges to hurt people, and a god tells you to do those things, that's almost certainly not a god. No. That's just your brain sock puppeting all the bad shit in it into another person's mouth. So just keep those things in mind anytime you're dealing with the gods to make sure that you genuinely are dealing with the gods. That's right. Guess what? What? It's time for reviews! (laughs) And today, what we're going to do, because we were... Because we're very tired. Very tired. We decided to talk about some of the things we got yesterday Mm -hmm. at Detroit Pig and Pride Day. And I also want to give a shout out to the listeners that we got to meet yesterday. Yeah, we met some listeners there. It was great. They were really, really nice and very They were brave enough to come talk to us. Brave enough to come talk to us. And what was really cool is that they're a group of friends who all have different paths. Mm -hmm. And And they're they're starting a a little multi-tradition coven. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So Which we thought was very cool. We, we think that's really cool, and we're thrilled for them, and, and yeah. we're very happy to meet them. But I'm going to be talking about some of the things that I got yesterday, specifically three different vendors who I really, really was impressed by mm-hmm. their products. The first one I'm going to talk about is Lake Witch. And here's the thing. As I can't tell you absolutely everything that they, they sold, because I would zero in on a product and just be like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. So, But what I got from Lake Witch is some of their tea. They had psychic energy tea to aid in divination and they also had motherwort tea which is for stress and anxiety it can help regulate menstrual cycles things like that it's a motherwort is a wonderful herb it is and it's very tasty it has kind of a almost a grassy smell when you you know a scent do not take if pregnant or breastfeeding. no these are wonderful teas i actually am drinking motherwort right now Mm -hmm. it's Again, it has kind of a grassy scent. I wouldn't say it has a very descript flavor, but it's tasty. It's not it's not mm-hmm. bitter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's a very enjoyable tea. 
And Lake Witch had some other really They had some really nice stuff. Really yeah. nice stuff. Beautiful presentations. They had some spell kits that we were interested yes, in. Yes, which we're going to get at some point. We're going to get at some point so we can review them mm-hmm. on, on the podcast. But check out Lake Witch. It is... LakeWitch.com. Yep. The next one that I'm going to tell you about is Cantrips and Crows. And their website is cantripsandcrows.com that's c-a-n-t-r-i-p-s-a-n-d c-r-o-w-s dot com first of all the gentleman the dude who is the owner and the creator of cantrips and crows he's a treat he's a (laughs) treat he really is a true delight to be around a delight of a person to be around just incredibly wonderful and incredibly creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single piece of jewelry. Yeah. The, the A lot lotions. of really good, unique stuff yeah. there. Very, very, very unique things. And he had lotions and potions mm-hmm. and uh, essential oils. And so what I got was Witch's Brew Lotion, which is one of the nicest lotions. It's a body lotion. It has patchouli, frankincense, rosemary, lavender, sandalwood, and peppermint oils in them. And it's wonderful. It really, it's, it's one of the nicest lotions I've used. It's not overpowering, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit goes a long way. Right. I also got one of the, it's a magical body oil. It's their protection magical body oil. And again, it has wonderful things like clove and anise and willow bark and all kinds. St. John's I'm wort. Smell it. Yeah, no, it has I to mean, smell all it. kinds of just, it's got this laundry list of. Oh, it um, smells very nice. Yes, this laundry list of protective herbs that you can use, and you can wear it. I as even a, like the smell. Yeah, it's a you know you can use it as a perfume if you mm-hmm. will, yep. but with the magical intention yeah. of, of protection. protection. Yep. So again, that's cantripsandcrows.com. You put this on to armor up. Exactly, and then the, the final yes. vendor I'm going to talk about is Divine Sanctuary, and from them one of the one of the featured items, and they had a lot of different yeah. items as well. But the featured, but the, the stuff that really draws your eye. The one thing that really draws your eye are these pendants with the world tree on yeah, them in and wire, and they're wire wrapped. It is one of the nicest, yeah. most professional looking wire wrappings pendant yeah. I've ever seen. Each one is consistent. Yeah, they're very consistent uh, in style. They choose really, really good stones Mm -hmm. to wrap around. Very, like, uniformly shaped uh, stones in a variety of sizes. And they use a variety of sizes, Mm -hmm. a a variety of color of wire. Right, a variety of stones. Mm -hmm. And they have a small and a large size. And the prices, again, are very reasonable. And I got the the Mm -hmm. smaller size stone. But it's still a generous sized stone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's probably an inch and uh, an inch and a half. Yeah, and it's very uh, and it's wrapped in silver, very wrapped in silver. I believe it's a black onyx. No, uh, black agate. Oh, agate. black agate. Yep. And it's very clearly the world tree mm-hmm. on yeah. there. It's in each design, every single pendant. It's very uniform. They they are just wonderful. You would think a machine had done these. Yeah, yeah. they're they're very precise. Yeah, you but see, they are some, all done by hand. Sometimes with wire-wrapped jewelry, especially that you see at events like these, because so many of them have to be done in a, in a short period of time, they can look a little messy. Mm-hmm. These are not messy. These no. are not. They're very beautiful. They're very professional looking. Mm-hmm. They are definitely worth the money spent. And again, it's, it's not uh, overly priced. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, and Bill pointed out in the Discord, he got one of these at Michigan Pagan Fest in Rainbow Wire, mm-hmm. yeah. which exactly. we saw, and it was uh, equally beautiful. Yeah. That's what I And they just have so many choices. They've got something for everyone. Yeah. If yeah. this is the kind of pendant you want, it comes with a black cord, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a wonderful thing. I saw it at Michigan Pagan Fest, and I was so glad <laughs> to see them at Detroit yep. Pagan Pride. And I was like, I'm buying one. Getting one one this time. And so that's divinesanctuary.net is where you can find. And they have all kinds of other things. But the Tree of Life pendant is really, it's one of their uh, highlights. Their specialties. And then I want to talk about one thing because we have some listeners, Mm -hmm. uh, Jim and Kelly, who we love. Yes. Yes, we do. And have spent quite a bit of time with them off and on at different events. They live here. Um, in our wonderful state. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made us a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yes, and by did. made, I mean... <laughs> made. Literally made us. So they made us a box that says three pagans and a cat on the su- on the top and then has each of our individual pictures. Each of our cats. Each of our cats on a side. On the three facing sides. And then one side has our three pagans and a cat single cat logo with the long tail. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. With the one-eyed cat. And then our... Our individual signs. So the Owen, the Pentacle, and the Veg Vizier. Right. Are all on there too. It's really, really cool. The name of their company, and so they're new, they're coming out. It's Tree Wizard Creations. That's W-Y-Z-A-R-D. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get a hold of them to find out what they make and what they can do, it's uh, treewizardcreations at gmail.com. I'm sure they'll have a website very yeah. soon. Yep, they're if, just getting we'll, started. we'll let you all know when that happens. Really nice little birch box. They gave us an on-air sign. That's right. right. They uh, were at Michigan Pagan Fest and saw how many people people mistook us for registration. registration. So they got us a little on-air sign with the cat on it so we can put that up when we're recording. They made me a cutting board for Car's Feast Table. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it actually says Car's Feast Table on it. And we used Uh, it in the ritual today. Yeah, Yeah. we used it in the ritual today. So they've actually made us some keychains as well, ornaments. There's all kinds of things that they can do and so who knows what's going to happen at Yule guys exactly right. I'm just saying who knows there are, there are, there are a number of, there are a number uh, of uh, possibilities a of possibilities now <laughs> for Yule gifts from 3-pack uh-huh. to the pride because uh-huh. yes we are planning to do the, yes, we're, we're um, going to be doing the Yuling again the Yuling. yeah we'll be doing the Yuling again we're, we're going to try to organize it yeah we're going to try to organize it a little better this year yep. so but uh, that is coming up in a couple of months yeah. Yeah. can you believe that God. In a couple of months. here we are in, we're going to be coming up on August. our second yeah. anniversary yeah. Yeah. here yep yeah should we tell them about second anniversary no. episode no 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 not yet surprise wait until October it's a surprise <laughs> a big surprise. Let's uh-huh. put it that way. Right. And it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be epic. Lead us out of the reviews. Oh. Yeah, out of the That's reviews. it for reviews. Thank you. That was lovely. lovely. I wanted to talk about omens. That's another thing that people will sometimes experience when they start working with gods. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing. Good where, omens? Oh, good omens, yes. <laughs> That Good is omens, not a plug for omens. a particular series. It's absolutely on Amazon right a plug now. for a particular <laughs> so series. On if Amazon. you have not seen it, go watch it. We are not now. sponsored by Good Omens. We are not sponsored by Good Omens <laughs> or Amazon. But God, it's good as shit. <laughs> good as shit. I read the it's book wonderful. in high school. I'm ecstatic with the results We've of had the TV many, show. Many many discussions about yes. this show. Okay. 
Alright, so, so more traditional omens. <laughs> Sometimes you will receive omens in your life from the gods that you work with. Yep. This is another thing where you have to practice discernment, but you also have to not let doubt get too much in the way. So, mm-hmm. like, if I see one raven, mm-hmm. that's probably not Odin trying to get my attention. That's probably just a raven doing raven things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a cigar really is as just, just a, a cigar, cigar, as Freud would say. Now, if I see <laughs> a pair of ravens that's more likely to be Odin mm-hmm. because Odin has two ravens Hugin and Munin but it's still most likely to just be two ravens who are hanging out because ravens are social birds. Mm-hmm. What's most likely to be an omen and a sign that Odin is trying to get my attention for some reason is if I start seeing pairs of ravens in multiple locations where there are not usually ravens over a period of time, like Mm -hmm. weeks or months, and the ravens are persistently getting my attention or trying to interact with me. If that happens, that's an omen, and you should probably pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Don't assume that everything that happens in your life is an omen. Right. But sometimes there are going to be unusual happenstances Mm -hmm. in your life, and the gods that you work with have signs and things in the world that they're attached to or related to that they will move around to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when those things happen, be open to that. Sometimes you're not in a receptive position, but the gods still need you to do something or they need to tell you something or you've been ignoring them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's when they start to, you know, the wheels go into motion. Mm-hmm. Well, working with Hakati mm-hmm. and honestly now with Frigga, keys are coming into my life. Many keys. Many keys are coming into my life. And it's usually when I'm not expecting it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is about Hakati and sometimes it is about Frigga. Mm-hmm. And learning to tell the difference and is probably... to tell the difference <laughs> is the challenge. And sometimes I I have to hold on to them until I go, oh, this, this is, is a, who it's for. This is a Frigga key. This is, a, this is the reason I got this. It's she for this is reason trying to tell me reason. this reason or that thing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So for me, recently, it's been keys. Mm-hmm. So Rana mm-hmm. just said, if a raven lands on your head and says hello, it might be an omen. Might be, but you can never tell. Some ravens can speak. sometimes omens will not be things that you see in the natural world but they'll be things that just sort of accumulate in your life so when i first started being interested in loki i without going looking for them was exposed very suddenly to a lot of literature about loki scholarly articles retellings of myth a whole bunch of books appeared in my life that were about loki or related to loki and i wasn't going looking for those things but they were sort of falling into my lap and that's about as explicit a sign as you can get that like well maybe you should read those and Mm -hmm. see what's up yeah you start noticing books Mm -hmm. and titles The, the same thing happened with me our tiger michelle invites you to her shop where she showcases her painted and carved sugar skull eggshells for the world to enjoy. Each piece is hand-carved and unique with a name and style all its own and a desire to find a happy home with you. Every egg comes in a special box adorned with a note about the creation. She also makes natural eggs, beautiful painted rockery, and jewelry to share. As well as the sugar skulls, Michelle has designed an acorn egg, which just happens to be the most popular egg she makes. Adorned with lentils and wood beads and hemp or leather hangings, visit the Artful Egg at theartfulegg.net And now, it's time for Odes, 
Touchdown! Corner! Thank you. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Good job. All right. So today, I'm going to be talking about pearls. Don't come at me telling me pearls aren't stones. I know. <laughs> pearls are calcium carbonate concretions, which are produced in the mantles of living shelled mollusks. They are not always spherical. In fact, it's very unusual to find a perfectly spherical pearl. They can come in several colors naturally, but are most often in white, off-white, or gray. Black pearls, especially black spherical pearls, are extraordinarily rare in natural forms. And pearls can also be dyed. So a lot of the colored pearls that you'll find out there have been dyed. Natural pearls in general are extremely rare. They form under only very specific conditions when there is an irritant in the mollusk's mantle and the nacre, which is the solution the pearls are created from, mm. um, builds up around the irritant to protect the flesh of the mollusk from the problem in case it might be a parasite or something like that. The only way to extract a pearl is to open up the mollusk, which kills it. A natural pearl collection requires pearl divers to take hundreds of oysters or other mollusks and open them all up. And there may be in a take of three or four hundred oysters, one pearl. Mm, wow. Right? I yeah. didn't know that. They're extremely, extremely rare in nature. So... Most pearls on the market, especially spherical pearls, are cultured pearls, which are created in mollusk farms. They actually introduce They introduce, something. yes, they, they intentionally introduce an irritant into the mollusk. Often, it's uh, to get a spherical pearl, it's a spherical irritant, so that it will build up in a, in, so that the nacre will build up in a consistent concentric so. ring. Right. Essentially just allow like a thinner layer of pearl to develop. So the same the same method uh, produces the pearl, which is then an irritant is introduced to the mollusk, but because... And they kill the mollusk? Yes, they yeah. kill the mollusk. They Because uh, you have to open the shell to get the pearl out, and right. the result is that the mollusk dies. Vegans everywhere are up in arms. Well, that's just... And it's legit. That's, because, you that's know, how you get pearls. That's how you get pearls. You have to kill the mollusk mm -hmm. right. to get the pearl. Okay. Yep. And there are saltwater and freshwater pearls. There mm -hmm. are differences in how they develop. There are not, in my experiences, differences between saltwater and freshwater pearls in how they, like, are. And there are not, as far as I can tell, differences between cultured and natural pearls in terms of their energy or their feeling or their spirit, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they all come from the same essential process. Right. It's just a question of whether or not humans are involved in that process. Right. So pearls are obviously associated with healing and with soothing. They're interested in improving healing and in soothing emotions because that is actually the job of the pearl is to soothe irritation mm -hmm. in the original animal. And they also, because of the way pearls are harvested have associations with death, the afterlife, uh, and ancestors. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. They're versatile. They're not very loud pearls. They they don't have like a, a very, at least in my experience, they don't have a, a strongly connective energy. They're right. not very talkative. They're not very chatty. You can You're like, I'm here to do a job. Let me do my job. Right. I can, I can sense the presence in a pearl and it'll do healing things mm -hmm. or... It'll connect to ancestors, or so it's very gentle. Or that's yeah, it's very it's very mild. Mm -hmm. I'd say it has a very mild energy and a very mild communication style. Almost won't communicate. Mm -hmm. It's very it's uh, reticent. I might okay. say. That's it for Oats. Stop. Quarter. You 
absolutely. Yeah, he's he's not sure. His ears twitching now. <laughs> he's not sure. He's not sure what to think about that. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. One more thing I specifically wanted to talk about: the fact that some people have very different views on mixing pantheons. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously very, we don't have a problem. We don't with have right. a problem with that. We're fine with that. Obviously, how many deities did we bring into our ritual a today? Lot. We brought uh, in well, a whole we bunch. brought in probably seven, and then other people other people brought, brought in probably in more. another five. Yeah, we invited those who participated after we had hailed. Mm-hmm. and welcomed our gods, mm-hmm. we invited the participants to hail and welcome their own gods into the space. Right. Yep. And it was beautiful. It was yeah. a wonderful energy mm-hmm. in that ritual. Yeah, yeah. It was a good space. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt good. It felt good. But, but I, I know there are, I know people, there are people who yeah. are uncomfortable with that. And it's I'm in an awkward position here because I only really worship and work with the Norse gods. Mm -hmm. I don't feel any connection to the gods from other pantheons, or at least I haven't so far. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be, like, opposed if a god from another pantheon showed up Mm -hmm. and, you know, wanted me to do X thing for them, but it's also not something I'm pursuing, Mm -hmm. because I'm, like, my gods already are a lot of work, Mm -hmm. basically. This is the first time I've included Hakati into a ritual Mm -hmm. with you guys and with additional... Uh Uh, with additional participants, participants, um, other than my morning hails, I've I've done that before, where I've hailed all of the, the mm-hmm. deities that I work with, including obviously Hakati. I do believe and did did feel that as long as I give her the proper respect and veneration, she's mm-hmm. got no problem with it. At yeah. least at this point, yeah. Sometimes you'll hear people talking about gods that don't get along well mm-hmm. um, and shouldn't be hailed together. That is almost certainly true in some cases. Like, I probably wouldn't uh, hail Fenris, Sulfur, and Tyr into the same space. They got beef. Mm-hmm. But um, you have, if you've got gods that specifically have, you know, relationship issues, relationship issues, then you yeah, might want to rethink that. that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if they both insisted on being involved mm-hmm. in something, like, I, I don't know that I would tell them no. Just keep right. Tyr, just say, exactly. If, if, if Tyr and Fenrisulfur both insisted they wanted to be involved in the same ritual, and I told both of them, like, okay, but your your arch enemy's going to be there, and they said, I'm still coming. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't try to, to lock them out, I don't right. think. And again, I, I think, at least for me, from how the experience of today, it really did come down to respect, uh-huh. you know, and making sure that all of the individual gods were recognized and respected. Yeah. And I think that we were able to, to manage that. So how did you both feel about the Lou portion? Well, it was his party. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, not a god you all would necessarily... Yeah, no, with. no, no. no I- that, that's actually a good point. Uh, I don't work with Lou. I, I know about Lou mythologically, but I don't right. have any connection to Lou. Neither do I. Um, Our son works with Lou. Right. Yeah. But when I was hallowing the bread, for example, right. or when I was offering the ale to Lou, I did feel, you know, the same kind of connection that mm-hmm. I feel when I'm when I'm honoring or working with my gods. Right. For the duration of that time, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would feel that connection moving forward like right. now. Right. But at the time, I, I guess because like at, at the time, yeah, yeah, during the ritual, I guess exactly. because he'd been hailed into that space by right. you. Right. Because he'd been specifically invited, and because I was helping to run that ritual, I was mm-hmm. able to make that connection. So. And I I feel like for me it was it was. Lunasad. Yeah, we did Lunasad specifically instead of like Lamas. Yeah, exactly. It was Lunasad. So it was his party. It was his day. Mm -hmm. He was the guest of honor. 
the other gods and de- you know and spirits and ancestors were there to to witness this party or to participate in this party mm-hmm. for him. That's how it I, it felt to me. So I was like, this is our guest of honor, and that's how he <laughs> felt to me. So that's that's very interesting because you know for you this would have been the first time like Hakate was not front and center then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, recently for yeah. in a long time, yeah. in a long, a long time. time, yeah. So yeah. I think that would be an interesting juxtaposition to what you're used to. Mm-hmm. To then like, oh, Hakati, you stand over here because this is Lou's gig. But if right. you noticed, anytime I did a thing, yeah, like you when did. I, towards, I, I you, did. She the, bowed right. to her Hakati statue. Exactly. Yeah. I went over and I made sure I did the proper respect. Right. And so that's how why I feel like I had the blessing and the go ahead to mm-hmm. include her in this because I included her. In everything that right. I did. Right. I didn't get that from Brigid. Although I did give honor to Brigid and to the Earth Mother. Right. Uh, but she wasn't as, as, as pushy about Yeah, but Hikati is like, hey, if you want me here. If we're going to keep doing if this. If we're going to keep doing this, <laughs> I want the proper respect. Right. Right. And so I followed that instinct. Right. And it worked. No so, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was just Everybody got along fine. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any, you know, crises in the ritual. I no. some something I think uh, that people are worried about in mixed pantheons is that like it's gonna the ritual's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Or like there's there's gonna be bad complicated energy or it's gonna be too crowded or whatever. But, but I really, really didn't have that experience. No. And the people that we talked to, including Pat, they felt it was very cohesive, mm-hmm. they felt like it was a good positive energy. We did a spell yep. in yep. the ritual as well. Everybody was very happy and felt like it was it was okay to have that many gods. Yeah, I yeah. it was interesting because in I, I noticed uh, a certain I think hesitance to to hail in gods when we opened when the we floor. Opened right, people seemed like they weren't sure if they should, even though they had been explicitly invited to to, to so. hail their gods, to hail anyone they wanted uh, to have right. their present with them. And even once people started hailing, we only had a you know a handful, a handful people out of the whole group who hailed in any any more gods. Right. Mm-hmm. But by the time we got to the boasting... Right, yeah, everyone was, everyone are was participating. Everyone yeah. Was, yeah. Participating. was participating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it's like, people, strangely enough, got more comfortable as more gods filled in. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. And they brought their offerings, mm-hmm. and, you know, and with their specific gods in mind. Yep. And, yep. You know, it all, it all fell into place, and it all worked very well. And I, I think part of that was when we were planning the ritual, we were like, okay, you know... Who makes we, sense? Who makes sense to be here? And for me, I was able to bring Hakati because I was questioning, you know, should right. I... Because right. Brigitte, definitely. Well, like, I debated with myself, like, should I, should I specifically hail in Loki and Odin? And I decided mm-hmm. not to in the end because it's not the kind of thing that they're really about. Right. And I brought... Obviously, I, I hailed uh, Brigitte mm-hmm. because she's part of the Celtic pantheon. Right. Frigga felt... Natural. Natural yeah. to be a part... Hakati is also the mistress of land, sea, and sky. Because there were Celtic and... Is it a heathen tradition with the land, sea, and sky? Or is that just a uh, druid thing? That's mostly thing? a druid thing. Okay, so we really kind Sorry. of approached... That's, no, okay. that's okay. It's not, not a problem. We approached this ritual from the, the idea of land, sea, and sky. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, again, Hakati is... One of mistress, her many jobs. One of her many jobs is mistress of land, sea, and sky. So it felt natural to bring her into, right. this, mm-hmm. into this ritual. That and also not, we were doing magic, so... Exactly. And she is the goddess of witchcraft. We're a goddess of yes. witchcraft. It's better um, to say a than I the. try. I remember. <laughs> she is a goddess of witchcraft. It just made sense. I, I felt like all of the gods that were invited made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in, including the people who invited their own gods, I mm-hmm. felt like yeah. that made, yeah. it made sense. Yep. 
So although, like, obviously it's up to you whether you want Mm -hmm. to mix pantheons, our experience has been that it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Now, if you're someone... If you're in a a tradition where that's a problem. If you're in a tradition or if you are a reconstructionist... In a particular pantheon, that may be a, a thing. <laughs> oh, have I got some opinions about this. Our ancestors syncretized just as much as we do. I know. Dear Reconstructionists, don't at me. Uh, I appreciate the academic work that Reconstructionists do, but I think it's important to remember when we're reconstructing that we are reconstructing very specific time mm-hmm. periods, not large spans of time. Mm-hmm. And over large spans of time, our ancestors did incorporate different gods mm-hmm. when they when they had guests from other lands. You know, they didn't tell them to leave their gods at the door. Religion was not as essentialist that way as it is now. So just relax, basically, would be my advice on that front. Just figure out who the guest list should be uh-huh, and go yeah. from there. <laughs> Our tiger crystal from Apothecary Teas produces uh, fragrant, <laughs> essentially beautiful teas that delight all the senses, with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. For this hopeful, bountiful season, try a fruity sangria tea with rubeus, hibiscus, apple pieces, cherry, orange peel, natural orange extract, and natural cherry and apple flavors. And if it's still hot in your part of the world, as it is here, consider serving it over ice. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas. LLC. What I would not have given yesterday at for Detroit Pagan Pride tea. for a sangria <laughs> tea oh over my ice. God, yes. Oh my God. And now I think it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. And because I'm going to stay in the drinking hey. portion of this, we are going to be talking about sour cherry mead. Ooh. I want some of that. I'm into it. I'm into it. All right, so... Give me the deets. This makes five gallons. She's Holy crazy. So Good. Buy... We can drive. We can drink lots right, and right, offer yeah. some. And... So your best bet is to go to your local hardware store and buy one of those five-gallon mm-hmm. buckets that yeah. are for quote-unquote paint. Yeah. Better brand new and haven't been used and use it to do this. So you're going to combine these five ingredients at 104. 104. Six and three quarters pounds of raw wildflower honey. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of honey. That's a lot of honey. A half gallon of sour cherry juice. Okay. Four gallons of water and one ounce of yeast, wine yeast nutrient. Okay. So it's W-Y-E-A-S-T, yeast, mm. wine, yeast, nutrient. Okay? Okay. okay. All right. And you're going to stir that vigorously to aerate it all, mm-hmm. get it all mixed up. And then you're going to wait 24 hours for the sulfites to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to sprinkle five packets of D 47 dry yeast into it. How many packets? Five. Okay. Okay. Five packets. All right. You need to maintain the fermentation of about 88 degrees Fahrenheit. How do you do this? Put it in where your heater is. Someplace warm. Right, okay. Someplace warm. You put a space heater in there or yeah. something, yeah. Gotcha. Then you want to vigorously degas your mead before carbonating, so that is basically getting all the extra crap out of it. Okay. And that's so that you get it to not smell like rotten eggs. Ah. That would Otherwise, be, yes. that would be bad. Yep. It would defeat the purpose of making the mead. Right. Yep. 
And then you bottle it with some priming sugar or keg it. Once the bubbling has stopped, it should be about 8 to 10 days. That's not bad. And then no, you have not. a week or two to drink it all. Before it goes off? Before it goes off. That's fine. So, you either make it for a party or become a mathematician and figure out how to make it a smaller batch. Right. Which well, I'm sure you could probably accomplish. But. Or or you make five gallons, you offer 2.5 gallons, you drink 2.5 gallons. Right. That's true. <laughs> yep. So there you go. That is sour cherry mead. Spectacular. Mm. Very nice. Maybe you should... And it only it only takes a little over a week. That's not bad. That's no, not yeah. a bad turnaround time yeah. at all. That's not bad. Yeah, put that on the list. I definitely want to get into making meat. Yeah, so. you've yeah. mentioned that yeah. before. So. Yeah, so... All right. That's everything I have. Do you guys have other stuff you want to talk about? Well, ways that you can connect. We had talked about that the other day. Meditation, divination, trance stuff. Yeah. All the, all the usual ways. All the usual ways. <laughs> of how, if you want to connect with or, or contact a deity... <laughs> Um, obviously, reading about them right. is important. Know about the deity that you're interested in working with. So study, study, yeah, yeah. yeah study a lot them. of it, honestly, is going to be an, their myths. A lot of it's going to be an internal experience that you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to to verify, or it's it's hard to even describe. Like it's mm-hmm. hard to externalize, like what the experiences of knowing that the gods are there, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that mm-hmm. they're paying attention. Well, again, I think it comes down to trying to develop some kind of a practice which allows you to build a connection to be receptive to be receptive whether it's meditation chanting ecstatic dance yeah walking in nature yeah any of do something related to the god in question yeah most of them have things that they like do those things right exactly bring those things into your life and dedicate those things that you're doing Mm -hmm. to the god in question and that's one reason why i want to start making me yeah it's a big deal to the dog and i know that some people like you know you said not everybody gets a ping from a specific god you know if you're not sure what pantheon you want to work with Mm -hmm. just pick a pantheon learn about it and approach approach someone yeah approach someone you you don't have to wait for someone to come to you you can go to them Mm -hmm. like i said i i'm i'm working with loki because loki challenges me to be better and different right Mm -hmm. not because i'm comfortable working with loki but because i should work with loki and i know there are some articles and some opinions out there that say that the gods choose you you don't choose the gods and sometimes that's true but not always true and sometimes it's not so if you feel particularly drawn Mm -hmm. whether it's to a specific specific god or goddess or to a specific pantheon mm-hmm. put and some there's healers out there and see what happens and there's no guarantee that you'll get a response no. there's every possibility you'll get a negative response and if that's the case that's fine not everyone's going to want or be willing to work with you that's right yeah, yeah. uh and if what you get back is a no thanks move on perfectly okay if you move on mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. you may find yourself working with a pantheon you, you never, never predicted yeah. or predicted to yeah. be working with all okay right. i think I that'll think that's it yeah i, I think I, that'll I do, do it for that, us that has done it all right we, see you guys later well where can people find us well, the number three pagans and a cat.com and <laughs> everything else is linked there yeah we've got you can find our individual links in the episodes we're on all of the, the platforms for listening to the podcast because people have been asking. Yeah. We're on a certain number of the social medias. Yes, we're we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Discord, and we have the Patheos blog, Three Pagans and a Cat. Yeah, we're just, on YouTube. Just Google us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll find us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just Google the number three pagans and a cat. 
That's and right. You'll find us you'll find everywhere. Us somewhere, yeah. And come join us in the Discord or join us on the Facebook group. We have a wonderful pride. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the pride, our listeners are, are wonderful people. <laughs> and if you, if you had any questions as a result of this episode, we probably won't even have to answer them. Someone else in the pride probably will. That's yep. right. That's right. All right. So thanks, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. We're going to sleep. Yes, we're going to do a lot of sleep. And then tomorrow I'm going to edit. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.